morning. Uh, as George said, we're going to be uh, opening God's Word to, in Luke 19, starting at verse 12. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king, then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minors. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subject hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your miner has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your miner has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your miner. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in, and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words. You wicked servant, you knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what you did not put in, and reaping what you did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit, so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his miner away from him, and and give it to the one who has ten miners. Turn to Revelation 20, starting at verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, earth and sky, fled away from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and a book was opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven. And a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice coming from the throne, saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, good morning, friends. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, 
And firstly, I'd just like to say thank you to George for inviting me. It's always lovely to, to come back to Swanley. And, and as we were singing Shout to the Lord, I, I just want to say that that was the song that, that really stimulated me into a charismatic life when I started my ministry. And that was 1993. And that's 30 years ago. And I, <laughs> I actually got tears in my eyes when I heard the song because I couldn't believe that it was 30 years ago that I started my ministry. But uh, here I am, and, and God is still using me, so I pray that he will use me for quite a while more. Okay? Amen. So tell me, who wants to go to heaven? Oh, most of you, most of you. I'm, I'm glad about that. Because it, it reminds me almost of the school teacher who went to the class and said to the class, who wants to go to heaven? And everybody put up their hand except little Johnny. So Johnny, don't you want to go to heaven one day? He says, yes, sir, one day, but I thought you were getting a busload together right now. <laughs> Friends, when I was at Christ Church, um, I did a sermon series on heaven and hell. I did it mainly because <laughs> they said not too many preachers tackle the topic of heaven and hell. And some of you may remember. But recently I heard a talk by Louis Giglio, and I was so impressed by his message that I felt I needed to add some of what he was saying to my series of heaven and hell. So I acknowledge him for, for his inspiration of the service. As you know, I'm someone who likes to ask questions. So I'm going to ask you another question today. Is anybody excited about going to heaven? <laughs> Amen. Uh, okay, a few of you. Uh, a few of you. But, but basically, it's an easy question for those who are in church. Because the people that are here, I'm sure, um, are counting on going to heaven. Hmm? I met a few people in my life who have said, you know, I, I don't want to go to heaven. Don't care. Happy to go to hell. Be with my friends. They won't be, but that's another story. Right? But almost everyone you meet on some level hopes to go to heaven. Mainly because it's better than the alternative. <laughs> but for those who are in love with Jesus, we, we are thrilled by the fact that one day we will see him face to face. But what's interesting about heaven as well is that many people want to get there, but very few people know too much about heaven or how to get there. And so I cannot unpack all of what heaven is like uh, in this message, but I want to try and paint a picture today of what heaven is. And I want to talk about a few things that you can't do in heaven. We, we know that our lives are brief. Compared to eternity, five seconds and we're out of here. Really, five seconds and we're out of here. Life is short and eternity is long. And so if there are things that we can't do in the length of in eternity, in the forever, the things that we can do in the brief time that we are on earth, I think it would be a good idea to actually do the things here on earth that we can't do one day in the forever. Now firstly, I want to say heaven is real. Heaven is real. Heaven is brand new. I love the way Revelation shows us that John is getting a picture of heaven in Revelation 20, verse 11, and he says, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no more place for them. 
And so we see God sitting on his great white throne. And, and in his presence, the earth and everything else flees. Flees, it's gone. And I want to say that's where we will all be one day when our lives come to an end. In, in that moment, time as we know it is done. It's done. It's like a cup final. When the final whistle blows and the game ends and the score is illuminated on this, on this flashy sign box, there's no changing it. No protest can change it. There's no one saying, well, you know, we should actually get one more goal or uh, maybe we should play the game over. Or I really want to have another shot at changing the outcome of the game. No. We all accept the outcome and, and it's over and it's recorded and you can Google it. And the same is with everything else in life. You have a deadline for the project that you're working on at work. Right? The deal is that you have to have this thing done by a specific time. And the deal was that if it's not done in that time, <laughs> the deal went away. And those were the terms, and everybody got it, everybody understood it. And when that moment came and the deal was done, there's no, oh, you know, I, I didn't bring my A game to this deal. Uh, can we do it over? It's done. It's done. And I think that's the way life is. That's the way life is. And God in his goodness isn't just spinning us off to, filter, to, to drift somewhere in space. He's telling us there's a moment coming when you breathe your last breath and you then stand before the God of heaven. And, and yes, he's a God of love. He's defined by love. He is love. But he's also holy and he's righteous and he's perfect and he's filled with awe. And the foundations of the world shake in his presence. And that, friends, is moment that we're all moving towards. And when it comes to eternity, we, we all want to interject and we want to say, hey, it's not fair that it just ends like that. Surely God gives us another chance. It's not fair that it's all over and it's recorded in a scorecard. Surely God doesn't work the same way that everything else in life works. And I believe that God is trying to help me and you understand that that is exactly how eternity works. And that's why he's being so kind in his word to talk so much about eternity. So that we can make the five seconds that we have on earth count. And we can be happy for the eternity that we spend with him. If I look at the, the rest of that sentence, he says that the earth and the heavens fled in his presence. There was no place for them. And I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Listen carefully to this, friends. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead and were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. The death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, the lake of fire which was prepared for the devil himself, and the lake of fire is the second death. And so I think that is what we should really be concerned about. Everybody here is going to face the first death. I don't know if you've noticed it yet, but the mortality rate on earth is 100%. 
But some people are going to face a second death. And this is really where you want God to give you the grace to avoid. Because it says anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now as abrupt, as terrifying, as weighty and as troubling that that phrase is, I don't want us to think here today, how can God allow somebody to spend eternity without him? Because that's the enemy talking. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to get into you and to link you to the reality that God himself came down in human flesh, writing with a pen in his hand with the blood of his own son. And listen carefully, friends. Anyone who wants their name written in the book of life, you will write it. Can I say that again? Anyone who wants their name written in the book of life, he will write it. He will do it. The Almighty. And he will write it because it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or what your story is or your record, your history, your wrongs. It doesn't matter. He will write your name in the book of life and all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I recognize that you have sent a Savior down to earth and you are offering grace, mercy, forgiveness and kindness and I choose you. I accept you. Please forgive me and save me and bring me alive and write my name in the book of life. And he will do it. He will do it. So do not let the evil one get you twisted up in some philosophical conundrum about how God can allow people to spend eternity separated from him. When God right now is pleading with the world, right now and right here, have your name written in the book of life. And then God go, goes on in, and John says in Revelation, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain. And the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Can you say that with me? I am making everything new. Let's say it again. I am making everything new. The first song we sang, didn't they say? Eh? That God is making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So, so what do we know about heaven? Well, I said it was real. It's new. It's brand new. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. We, we're not just going to be absorbed in the clouds. There, there's going to be a do-over for planet earth. The one that we corrupted with our, our sinful choices is going to be made over again in the way that God intended it to be in the first place. And you're going to be made new. <laughs> hey? You're going to be made new. In 1 John 3, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God.
Because that is who we are. We are now the children of God. And when Jesus appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. <laughs> We're getting an upgrade, people. <laughs> You're going to get a major upgrade. The other thing I like about heaven, according to the scripture, is it's tangible. It's not ethereal. It's, it's not a half recital. It's not floating in the sky. It's a new heaven and a new earth, and it's meaningful. In other words, you don't have singing hymns for the rest of your life. Now, now that's not bad. But some of you maybe don't like the music, and okay, I get that. Because the 20 minutes we sing seems like forever for some of you. And you're thinking, man, if that's what heaven is going to be like, wow! <laughs> well, A, you need to love that more, because it's singing about God, and it's praising Him, and you love God, and it's singing to God. It's not just singing in the car, and I know that you love singing in the car. <laughs> it doesn't mean that standing there singing songs for all eternity because it's a new heaven and a new earth and there's going to be things that you are going to be doing in this new earth just like God gave Adam and Eve things to do on earth meaningful things running stuff being, being char in charge of stuff being stewards of stuff creating stuff co-creating with God and, and, and this is the plan and it's going to be meaningful for each one of us it's going to be personal. You're going to know the people, as, as George was saying just now, he's hoping to see Phil and say, hello, Phil. Yeah, it's going to be personal. You're going to know people there, and they're going to know you. It's going to be enjoyable. And I can't get into specifics, but whatever is your jam, it's going to be blown away by heaven. It's going to be blown away by heaven. You're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. And you're going to wish more people you knew were there. It's, it's out of this world. Literally, it's, it's out of this world. And other things you're not going to find there is no preaching there. Do I get an amen for that? <laughs> I've been thinking about that, and I've been joking in the past when I said, there's no, there's no preachers in heaven. I need to redact that and clarify that because I think that there are going to be some preachers in heaven. At least some. At least some. So, so it's not no preachers in heaven, it's no preaching in heaven. But you know, preachers love preaching, eh, George? We love preaching. So one day, maybe in heaven, all the preachers will get together and they'll start preaching. You're not coming to it, so I understand that. But there will be some people who may want to come to that. There'll be no funeral directors in heaven. There'll be no grave diggers in heaven. No headstone engravers in heaven. No cancer researchers. No drug makers. No open heart surgeons in heaven. Who is there? Well... Jesus, in the parable of the miners, talks about a man who's going away to be appointed king. And before he left, he called his servants in and, and he gave them ten miners. A miner's like three months' wages. And he tells them to steward it whilst he's gone. And he says he'll be back. 
And when he came back, he says, bring these guys. And, and the first guy comes, and the king asked him, where's my miner? And the steward replied, I took your miners and turned them into 10 more. And the king says, way to go. Eh? You've been faithful with a little. I will put you in charge of 10 cities. And I want to stop there because, friends, that is a picture of heaven. That's a picture of Jesus saying to me now, in my five seconds here on earth, Hans, I'm going to give you a minor right now, but everything you have, I've given you anyway. And I want you to steward it well until I come back as king. And when I come back, you're going to show me what you did with what I put in your hands. So we know in heaven there's management, there's administration, there's the creation of things, co-creation of a new world with God. So heaven is going to be a place where we are co-creating in the new earth with God in our midst. And friends, it's going to be meaningful. We are not going to be bored in heaven. But you know there are a number of things we can't do in heaven. So in the five second window that we have here on earth, there are a few things that we can do for God now to show his thanks. There are ways in which you can take your minor and you can return it to God in gratitude for all that he's done for you. And you cannot do these things forever in eternity. So there are things that you can do to honor God in your five second life which you can't do in the forever. And when you're there, you may wish that you did the things in your five-second life which you can't do in the forever. Does that make sense? And the first one is this. You can't say yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior in heaven. The score is posted by then. If you want to say yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior, you've got to do it in the five seconds that you have on earth. And some folk are going to say, why, why didn't I say yes? I even, by the grace of God, even ended up in a church one day when this guy was talking about this very thing. And I sat there and I rationalized and I wrestled. And the enemy got me all distracted. Right now and right here, right now you can change your eternity. And you can upgrade significantly your time spent on planet earth by joining your life to the life of Jesus Christ and allowing him to be the Lord of your life. You can say yes to his grace, yes to his mercy, yes to his love, right here, right now. And you can have your name written in the book of life. That's the one thing you can't do in heaven. It's over then, people. And the time is coming. There's a moment of reckoning. There's a place called accountability. And there's a decision to be made for eternity. And that decision is now. It's now. The second thing that you can't do in heaven is you can't share the gospel with someone and see them put their faith in Jesus. Has anybody done that? <laughs> Been an ambassador for God, a translator of the gospel? You and somebody, you're speaking about Jesus, and the person says, I want that. And you say, great, can I help you take that step of faith? And, and you were the one who opened the word. You were the one who prayed. And you were the one who helped them pray. 
And when the amen happened, they were born again. And they became a son or daughter of God. And you were the one that God was using in that moment to see them come to life. Have you ever had such a moment? Hmm? Have you had such a moment with anybody? Or to put it in a different way, have you ever led anybody to Jesus? And you may say, yeah, partly. I was in the invitation. I, I, I helped them come to a meeting. I sent them a resource. So, so yes, I'm in the economy of God. But have you had the opportunity where they were looking at you and they said, okay, I've heard you, I see what you're saying, and I want that, can I make a decision right now? And you said, yes. Yes, you can, you can make that decision right now. In fact, we should all say yes to that decision right now. And that's what the church needs more than anything. It's for all of us to wake up and understand that we are God's ambassadors because he's inviting the world to himself through us. That's what Paul said. Jesus was inviting the world to himself through us. Therefore, we are now agents of reconciliation on earth. And you know, I pray that everyone who hears this message will at some time in their life have the joy of leading someone to Jesus. Multiple times. Multiple times. Because this is one of the greatest things you can think of. One of the greatest things you can think of. And some of you will say, Hans, I'm not an evangelist. I don't have that kind of personality. I'm not very outgoing. I don't have, I'm not super confident. I, I don't know how to lead somebody to Jesus. That's, that's not really my gift. I'm, I'm a prayer. I'm a, I'm a giver. I'm a leader or I'm a server. And that's great. That's great. But all of us at some point are carriers of the best news on planet Earth. This is the best news on planet Earth. And sometimes someone say to you, I don't know, but something's happening to me, and I'd like to know what it is, and you have to be ready to lead them to Jesus. Just think about it. What in your five-second resume is going to top that? I led my neighbor to Jesus. What's going to top that? They're now in the forever because of that moment. And then once you're in the forever, you can no longer share your faith that way and see someone put their faith in Jesus. Because that's the privilege we have of doing with our minor in the five-second life we have on earth. The third thing that you can't do in heaven is to leverage your resources for eternal causes. You, you can't use your resources in eternity. Now, you probably saw this one coming, but there, there's no generosity moment in heaven. There's no giving moment in heaven. In fact, that book is closed. Jesus said we are to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where? Yeah, now. Eh? Because once that moment comes when we breathe our last breath, whatever we have advanced into our heavenly kingdom is there and it's done. It's done. The moment you take your last breath, you're in eternity and your position, your status and your resources in heaven 
are based on what you've shipped ahead. Treasures you have stored. And I know I'm going to look back on those five seconds of my life and say, why didn't I move more treasure? Jesus says I should, so it's not a bad thing. Jesus said I should. And I want to make sure that I'm going to lay up for myself treasures in heaven so that when I get there, I'm not bankrupt. Hmm? But I also know that laying up treasures in heaven right now can impact the souls of people now. And I can see eternal things change because of my finances and my resources and my time. I'm not saying, oh, the church has been pretty good to me, so I should give more. No. I'm looking at the miner in my hand, which is a gift from Almighty God. And I just want to steward it well and to say thank you because I'm not going to be doing any of that in eternity. I'm getting a reward from God with what I have to offer Him, with what I've already given Him on earth. And after that, it's done. It's done. And friends, this is the last one. You cannot face persecution for the sake of Jesus in heaven. You cannot face persecution in heaven. If you're going to do that, you're going to do that now. Facing persecution is an amazing way in which we can give back to God and glorify God for Him facing persecution for us. That, that's how we bear witness to our Savior. And again, this is one of the reasons why we're not completely locked into Him, I think. Because we're basically living a, a, a pain-free life spiritually. But I think that's changing. Some of you have been passed over for promotion at work because you talk too much about Jesus. They knew you were a Christian. They knew you stood for the truth. Or you got worked out of your job and somebody else got hired because there's too much Jesus in the equation. And maybe now you have to navigate a certain career path. Or maybe it's more obvious than that. You're in a place and a time where you opened up and you spoke about Jesus, and a big, massive wave just hit you. Well, Jesus said this. He says, count it all joy when you face persecution for my name's sake. Count it all joy when you face persecution for my name's sake. Not to go, oh, I don't know what's happening, and I don't like this. No, no. Because that means with my little five-second life right here, and with my mind in my hand, I have the opportunity to say, I don't know what this is going to cost me. But Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by Him. And by His love and His grace and His mercy, He has redeemed and saved me. And He's given me a brand new life. And that is my story. That is my story. And I will respect you if this is not your story. I will respect you completely if you have a whole other religious ideology. But I will not undercut the only grace on earth of a God who said, you don't have to make a way. I've made it for you. I've made it for you. And in the forever, nobody faces persecution for standing up to Jesus.
I want to tell a story. Louis Giglio tells of a conference that he went to, and they introduced a speaker, but said she would be introduced under a, a false name in order to keep her identity safe. She was from North Korea, and she was very elderly, and she, mind you, she was younger than me, so. <laughs> but she was elderly and was a Christian, and she, she escaped to China, but the authorities caught her and put her in jail. Now, in North Korea, I believe if they find out you are a Christian, you could be executed. If you pray openly, you can be executed. If you were caught reading the Bible, you can be executed. And so you tend to keep your faith to yourself. And here she was in her 60s and thrown into prison. And normally there would be about 50 people in the cell. And when she went there, there were 150 people. And it was terrible because when you went to the toilet at night, you lost your place and you would have to stand all night or wait for somebody else to go to the toilet. And we won't go into how disgusting these toilets were. But after a while, she began to speak with someone and they would go to the toilet to talk because no one wanted to go there, especially the guards. But that is where she shared the gospel with another woman. And after a while, she would get another woman, and then another woman, and then another one who would give their life to Jesus. And they would meet in the toilet because that was the safest place to be. And after three years, she was released and again managed to escape to China. But this time, she made it to South Korea, where she is still under a secret identity for fear of the North Korean authorities. And at the conference, she was asked, in the interview, what was your main reflection on the time in prison? And she said, I thank God for my time in prison, for how would the people in the prison know Jesus if he didn't put me there? Louis says that when she came out on stage and after giving her testimony, everybody stood up and just it just erupted and, and it just wouldn't stop. And soon she was completely overwhelmed and the tears started flowing on her face, and after a long, long time, what, what actually seemed like eternity, Louis' first thought was this, dear God, don't put me in the line behind her in heaven. And his second thought was, thank you, Lord, that I still have one or two seconds of my life. I still have one or two seconds of this life. You know, we talk about the early builders of the faith, David and Esther, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, Noah, Rahab, Paul, Stephen. They were all the heroes of the faith, the Bible says. And, and we don't even know this woman's name, her real name. She's one of them. And I want to be one of them. And I want you to be one of them. And when we enter heaven by the grace of God, and as heaven applauds, don't you want to be able to say, my five seconds here on earth were full of the things I knew I would never be able to do again in the forever. And, and I just get the feeling that this woman is going to get a well done, good and faithful servant. Are you? Am I? There's still time to offer back to God your offering. Amen. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for talking about heaven, for talking about eternity, for talking about mistakes, for talking about our opportunities 
for talking about our stewardship, for not leaving us down here simply to skip through life. I pray, Holy Spirit, for an awakening. Just one of those moments where things shift. Not just for an hour or a day. I'm praying for someone in this meeting who will be looking back decades from now and looking back on this window of time and saying, in that window, everything changed. And I would use my brief life to do the things I cannot do in the forever. Knowing that I have got all of forever to sit around the table with my friends and enjoy a nice meal and to take in the scenery. I have the entire forever to be at the wedding feast of the Lamb but I just want a moment to make sure that the people I love will be there. I pray for that kind of awakening today by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.